Thank you, Pastor John. And it's always great to be here and to be able to share fellowship in this beautiful church. Um, and even though we can't see each other very much because of what's going on, we are one in the spirit. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And whether we're together or split up, we are still one in God. And praise God for that. But we are going through a bit of a storm at the moment, aren't we? And I want to just talk for a little bit about what we are going to do when the storms of life come. Because come they do, don't they? And sometimes storms can come because we are not following or obeying the Lord. <clears throat> uh, sometimes we cause the storms, or sometimes, to be honest, it's just life, isn't it? Life does these sort of things to us in all kinds of ways. But we can take encouragement and we can learn from the events of the life of Paul I want to look at this morning to encourage us of what to do when we are in the midst of a battle, a storm, uh, either as our individual selves or collectively as a group of God's people. It is important to know that God is in charge. That's the first thing that we always need to say. God is in charge. And in Acts chapter 27, we see a wonderful example of all of this. The Apostle Paul had gone and he had declared that he wanted to go and put his case to Caesar in Rome. And so he was taken on this long journey by ship to go to Rome to see Caesar. And Paul was caught up in a really serious event that took place on the ship. It was not Paul's fault. Paul had warned them not to set sail, but they wouldn't listen to Paul. They thought they knew better because they were sailors and Paul was only an ordinary man, they thought. So they wouldn't listen. The centurion in charge wouldn't take any notice and so they set sail. But you know, the encouraging thing is that in the following verses that we see this event depicted in, we see the great sovereign hand of God at work in the midst of this tremendous battle and storm that was going to happen because there were believers, well, they weren't believers at that time, but there were people that were going to be reached on the island of Malta where a strong church was going to be established through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. They didn't know that. That was not revealed to them. But we often see when we go through battles and storms in life, when we look back, and sadly it's very often when we look back, we see it then, not beforehand. We see the sovereign hand of God has been at work in working in our own hearts and lives or in other circumstances to do his sovereign plan. When storms come our way, <clears throat> whether they are physical storms 
or sickness or spiritual battles or family issues or money problems or work problems, we can take encouragement and learn much from the life of the Apostle Paul, particularly in this time and this event. In Matthew chapter 14, <clears throat> the disciples, this digressing for a minute, the disciples were in a ship on the sea, which was in the middle of a raging storm. And they were alone. Jesus was not with them at this moment. He was on top of a mountain that when he was praying to his father. They thought they were alone. But the Bible tells us that Jesus saw them in the midst of this storm in their little boat being tossed around. He saw them when he was on the mountain. And he came walking to them through that storm to reach them in their boat. And I always get great comfort from the fact that even when we don't feel the presence of God, when we go through times and situations where we can't see him, can't see his hand at work, don't understand what's going on, the storm is raging, his eye is always upon us. There is that old song we used to sing, or some of us had, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And friends, this morning, while we are going through this time of trial, we can also declare that today. The God that's, whose eye is on the sparrow, he's watching you, he's watching me. Jesus always, always watches his people, never takes his eyes off us. And he is always aware of what is going on in our lives, just as he was aware of what was going on in the lives of those disciples. Another occasion we find where in Matthew chapter 8, where there was this great storm on the lake, well known, where the disciples went into panic because of the storm. They shook Jesus, who he, where he was asleep in the front of the boat, and said, don't you care that we are perishing? That is our natural reaction. Don't you care, God, what's going on in my life right now? Don't you care? You can sense the terror in their voices because they were convinced they were about to drown in the middle of the sea. Jesus, as you know, got up, rebuked the winds and the waves. But the interesting thing is this. He said, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? The question that God poses to us so often when we are in the midst of these storms of life is, why are you afraid? Do you really think I'm going to get out of the boat? Do you really think that I am going to forsake you? Do you think the boat that I am in can ever sink, no matter how severe the storm? When God is in our lives, when Christ is ruling in our hearts and lives, can our lives really sink? And Jesus seems to be expecting us. It seems to me that the way he spoke, he was talking to them as though, well, why didn't you do what I've just done? Why didn't you stop the winds and the waves? Why didn't you exercise your faith? Why are you fearful? And that question comes to us very forcibly, 
very often in life, I think, when we are going through severe trials and difficulties, why are you fearful? Do you think God will ever leave you or forsake you? Do you think God is in power, uh, not, has no power to deal with it? And that question very often comes to us. In Paul's experience, as they were sailing along in this ship, it was quite a decent-sized ship. It held 276 people. So it was obviously not a little rowing boat on the lake. Plus it also carried a lot of cargo. It was a cargo ship as well. And this great ship was being torn asunder by the power of the winds and the waves. They didn't understand just like with Jesus when he was in the storm on the lake. He had an assignment to go to, to cross the lake, to go to reach a man who was demon-possessed, living in the tombs, and Jesus was going to deliver him. Jesus was going to set that man free. They were on assignment. The disciples of that time didn't understand that. Paul was on assignment in this ship. But there was a great assignment awaiting him on the island of Malta first. And so the sailors on the ship, they did the natural things. <clears throat> you know, God has given us common sense, Pastor John. And God expects us to use our common sense. Not just to sit back and fold our arms and say, well, God, it's all down to you. If God has given you common sense, then use it. And the sailors went through their normal procedure in things like this. First of all, they started and undergirded the ship. They used to tie ropes underneath the ship, tie it tightly together, because if the wheat or the barley got wet in the hold of the ship, it would swell and burst the planks. And so they had to try and tie it together. They undergirded the ship. Then in verse 18, it says they lightened the ship. They got rid of any excess weight. So if you were any excess weight, you would be overboard. <laughs> then they threw out even the tackle, the valuable equipment of the ship. They did everything they could to try and rescue the situation. Paul's decision was to fast and pray greatly. In verse 21, he waited on God for a word to stand on. And in verse 23, an angel came to him to encourage him and direct him what to do. <clears throat> now he had faith because he had heard from God. That is important, to hear from God. And he was able to go to the sailors and everybody else on the ship and say, we are going to get through this with no loss of life. No one is going to die as a result of this, but the ship is going to be destroyed. And then the sailors ate their food, and then they threw out four anchors, the Bible says, from the stern of the ship in order to try and keep it stationary while the storm rages during the night so they could see what was going on. There are some things that we need to do when we are in battles of life. Can I say, first of all, we need to sometimes undergird our lives with the Word of God and the promises of God.
when we are in desperate times of battle and strife, we need to go to the Word of God and understand what God is saying to us from His Word to encourage us and to strengthen us. When we do, it doesn't necessarily change the storm, but it changes our attitude towards the storm. It gives us courage and strength in the storm. And then we need to do what they also did, lighten. They lightened the ship. There is so much stuff, isn't there, in our lives. And sometimes when we are in difficult times, we need to lighten the ship, as it were. Get rid of some of those things that keep us from God. You know, we're in a time of lockdown. In case you didn't know, I keep saying to people, let's turn the negative into a positive. Before we were rushing around at shopping centers, going to the beach and going here and doing this and that and the other, and now we are in a situation where we can't do it. Why not lighten the ship? Why not take this time that now is forced upon us and say, I am going to seek God as never before? Instead of just sitting down and watching television and bewailing the fact that we are locked in, why not just see it in a positive way and say, now I've got much more time to seek the Lord. And I believe, I am believing for this, that the church of Jesus Christ will come out of all of this stronger than before. I believe this. Because we can lighten the ship all of those things that used to occupy our time and rob us of those precious hours. We've got that time now. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He is near us. Because of COVID, the Lord has not gone away. <clears throat> He's near to you today. And we can turn the negative of this lockdown into a positive where we say, I am going to just set myself to seek the Lord my God. That when we come out of this, my spiritual life is going to be stronger. My knowledge and understanding of the word is going to be greater. And I will have proved the strength of my God. Can I also make a plea with us? There are all kinds of divisions happening at the moment because some people have a view of vaccine of this way or that way. We should or we shouldn't. It's good, it's bad, it's wrong, it's indifferent or whatever. Can I just say it doesn't matter? Whatever your point of view, you behold that and pray about it. But do not allow the devil to use it as a wedge to drive in, to spoil fellowship between brother and sister and one another. The devil always loves to come against the unity in the spirit in the church, to bring division, to separate brothers and sisters. And this is going on a little bit at this present time. Can I make a plea? Whatever your point of view, God bless you for it. 
But do not let it become a wedge in the hand of Satan to divide the church. Instead, let the church come out of this time of lockdown stronger than before because we've lightened the ship. We've got rid of some of the rubbish in our lives that used to clutter up and rob us of every spare minute so that we didn't have time much for God. Now we have got time forced upon us. Let's use it. Let's turn negative into a positive. The next thing I see that we can learn from this is to encourage ourselves. This is what the Apostle Paul did. He said, take heart. I have heard from God. An angel has stood by me this night. I've heard a word from God. And I know we are all going to be saved. As children of God, we can take heart in knowing that my God is in charge of my life. And no matter how wildly the storm may rage, how difficult life may be at the moment, you may be going through some real trials, through your loss of jobs or loss of income or family members, be encouraged. God is in charge. The word of the Lord that came to Paul after being fasting and praying for many days down in the ship there, came to pass. We need to listen to God, to what he is saying. The thing that the sailors did was they cast out four anchors from the back of the ship. And there are some powerful anchors that we have that we also can cast out in our lives. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence of the behind the veil. That's God's throne. The Amplified Version puts it this way. I love it. This hope, this confident assurance, we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. It is a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. Friends, we have a hope. We have a hope. Our hope is in God. Whatever circumstances are coming our way, we have a hope. And our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in the ways of man. Our hope is in nothing outside of God. Our hope is in God himself. He is sovereign. And he will always have the last word. Our hope is in him. Anchors are good. But they're only as good as what they are attached to. If an anchor is dropped from a ship, but it rests on the sandy bottom of the sea, the ship can easily drag it across the sand. An anchor is only as good as what it is attached to, what rock it grabs hold of as it drags across the surface of the sea there. And thank God our first anchor is an anchor of trust. Second Samuel 22 Verse 31 says, 
As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who put their trust in him. This morning, can I encourage you, whatever you're going through, put your trust in him. Psalm 9.10 says, And those who know you will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. This morning, as we know him, as we seek him, we can be confident of this great thing that the Lord has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Nahum 3.12 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows, he knows those who trust in him. Friends, you may be shut up alone in your house or your apartment today, but can I say this to you? God knows you, and God knows those who trust in him. His eye is upon you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And I believe our trust when we can't see what's going on around is the greatest thing that we can bring to God. It proves the quality of our love for him. Second anchor, he is a rock upon which our hope rests. As I say, a rock is a great basis for an anchor. And thank God we have a rock. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says, He is a rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Psalm 18, the psalmist said, Blessed be my rock. In 28 he says, To you I will cry, O Lord my rock. If you put your trust in the ways of men, how easy it is to be let down, isn't it true? You think, oh, I'm going to get this benefit, this help, and nothing materializes. But God is a rock when we put our trust in him. He is unchangeable. He is righteous in all of his ways. The third anchor is he's our shepherd. The Lord this morning is your shepherd. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be there for you today. The good shepherd, Jesus said, lays down his life for the sheep. And that is what the Lord has done for us this morning. He has laid down his life for us in order that he could become our shepherd and our friend. He is always watchful and protective over his sheep. In Psalm 23, that lovely psalm we all know, it says, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Whatever is going on, friends, this morning, know this. He is your shepherd. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants you. He gave his life for you. 
and his eye is always upon you. He said, I am the door of the sheep. In Eastern times and those days, the shepherd used to lie across the pen where his sheep were enclosed for the night. No animal could come and attack his sheep, but they would have to go over him first. No robber could come and attack the sheep. He was protecting his sheep even during the night. And that is what Jesus is doing. I love it in John 17 where Jesus prayed to his father and he said, I have lost none of them that you gave me. None of them. I have kept them all. The Lord is watching over you to keep you, even in these days of crisis. The fourth anchor is he's our father, El Shaddai, the God who is enough, it means, the all-powerful, self-sufficient one, the one who is the source of all blessing and life. He it is who declared, I will be with you. In Hebrews 13:5, he says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we may then boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, our response is based upon what he said. It isn't us being presumptive. It isn't us just wishful thinking. We may boldly say, because he said, <coughs> he said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Because God Almighty has made that declaration. You see, even microphones can let you down, but God won't. Batteries may fail in microphones, but God will never let you down. Hallelujah. I love it in Psalm 103. He says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. That word for pity, Raham, means to love deeply, to have mercy and compassion on. Just as a father deeply loves his child and has mercy and compassion on them, God is saying in the same way, as a father pities, so do I. As a father loves you, so do I. As a father has mercy on you, so do I. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God is our Father today? That is the one unique factor of the Christian experience is that we can today look him in the face and say, God, you are my Father, my Saviour, my Shepherd. We rest in peace in the fact that he knew us and he chose us 
And he called us to himself. He saved us. He forgave us. He opened our eyes to understand our need. He keeps us. For the Bible says our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And no storm of life can ever change that relationship that we have with him. The great preacher Spurgeon once said, We have been through many trials, but we have never yet been in the place where we could not find all we needed in God. Friends, can I encourage you this morning, whatever situation you are in this time of lockdown, cast out those four anchors. Our trust in God. Keep looking to him. Keep tight hold of those ropes that are attached to that anchor and say, Lord, I trust you today. The storm will pass. The sun will shine again. This COVID thing will pass. And God will be there in the storm and after the storm. But let's pray and let's make this decision. After the storm has gone, my life will be deeper in God. I will trust him more. I will have proved him more. Just as Paul did in that shipwreck when he thought it was a terrible disaster, it actually brought them into a revival situation on the island of Malta where many, many people found Christ as a result of that experience. And when we come out of this, can I just say, let's believe God that the church of Jesus Christ will be stronger in unity, stronger in the Lord, stronger in our prayer life, stronger in the word of God. We used to sing, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, anchor to the rock which cannot move fastened strong and deep in the Saviour's love. Our friends this morning, trust him. Trust him. Put your faith and trust in him. If you've never received him as your Saviour and your Lord, can I say this again this morning as Pastor John has already said to us, receive him as your Lord and your Saviour. Open your heart and life to him and say, Father God, I thank you that you love me, that you gave your Son for me. I'm sorry for my sin which has separated us and I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all of my sin. I thank you that you love me and gave your life for me that I might belong to you forever. Put your faith and trust in him and rejoice in him today. The great old preacher Wesley had a saying that he used to say all the time, and I want to say it to you today. Best of all, God is with us. Best of all, God is with us, and he is with you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may we come out of this time stronger and greater than ever before god bless you thank you pastor